Disciples of Antioch are bringing to you a new show. It's P and B, and it's based on Paul and Barnabas out of the New Testament of Acts. Antioch Live. Thanks for joining us at AntiochSpeaks.com. This is PNB. Let's get it. It's a Paul and Barnabas talk show. Paul and Barnabas. I'm Paul because I'm younger, so. I'm Barnabas because I'm closer to God and I have to help him and disciple him. Brent is my uh, mentor in these things that we call life. Yeah, we're doing life together. Anyway. So, your big topic... I'm ready. Are y'all ready to rock? I'm ready to I, rock. This is a good topic. I think our audience is going to like this. We don't talk about it in church on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, but in places like this, this is a good place to talk about it. Get the word out. I want to talk about the underground church. I looked it up, underground church, and in 1978, something came up. Is that what you're talking about? I'm talking about those who can't meet in public. Period? Anywhere on the planet? Anywhere on the planet. Mm. You have to go in hiding. Okay. Think okay. right now. What is the number one nation probably? Afghanistan. It's got to be. In terms of however, there's a huge revival there right now. Crazy. Crazy revival. There's stories of pastors standing on the street, telling the the government, the new government of Afghanistan, that they will not bow a knee and they are losing their lives in the streets. That's amazing. They are saying Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and He forgave me, because they don't live in forgiveness. But sure, the church in that nation does. Sure live in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and they will stand on forgiveness of sin and it is contrary to any other worldview in sure. the region and I'm here for it. That's awesome. That's cool. So, so you have brought up a topic with me that I know little to nothing about so I don't know where to go or how to get there or okay. why it's interesting or what is going on with okay. it right now or how it affects the uh, you know fact that China wants uh, to take Taiwan or something like that, and Russia wants to invade Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine. I don't know how any of this ties in. Okay. Do you? Uh, I want to say this. This is how this came to me, this thought. Yesterday I was praying. I said, Lord, what is on your heart? He told me a lot of different things were on his heart, but he said refugees are on my heart. Mm. And I knew refugees and the underground church were tied into that. And it made me think about times where I can't say the country I've been to, but I've been in a country that is now closed off to the gospel. Okay, real quick, I want to ask. I hate to... Yeah, know, go ahead. I'm always going to do this to you. Yeah. You can't mention the country you've been to. I can't. Why For legal, legal purpose, if I try to go back to that country, they will okay. reject my visa. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, interesting. Okay, continue. It's, uh, it's a safety thing. <laughs> I looked up uh, refugee um, just for my own because we're talking about stuff I just don't know about. Yeah. A person who has been forced to leave their country in order to escape war, persecution, or natural disaster. So there's Christian refugees. Yes, and there's non-Christian refugees. And you know what is so beautiful? We in the Western society will hate on refugees. I understand. I believe in borders. I believe in everything that sure, goes with sure. the sovereignty of a nation. Okay. But sometimes the greatest opportunity for the gospel to be preached to an unreached people group is when they become refugees. Okay. So here's what I'll say. There's this this makes me think about this makes me think about American prisons. 
Every time someone gets put into American prisons, they find religion, whether it's Christianity, Muslim. Whatever. They find some religion. Is that similar to what you're saying? Well, not exactly, but it might be. I haven't thought about that. So, anyway, <laughs> the way that I'm going to say this is some people say the question, why does God allow certain things to happen when we know they're bad? Could it be that there is a goal that may be different than what you have in mind and why he allows things to happen? Okay, I believe so... he will allow suffering to show his glory. I believe he will allow the displacement of people groups to show his glory. I believe he will allow nation to rise up against nation to show his glory. Somebody said the other day, I believe it may have been our pastor who said, pray for our government leaders. They might be the ones who enable biblical prophecy to be fulfilled. They, I'm, I'm sure they will be. Um, yeah. I, I, and I, I follow that to some extent, what you're saying, because it's scripture. It's when he, when he said, when Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you, you don't know the things of my father. You only know things of, you know, this mortal life. So I, I, I get that. Um, it's, it's morbid, and it's, it's hard to think that God allows these things for his glory. You hear the way you say it? It's, 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 it's a hard way to phrase it because English doesn't really have a great language, and I don't know that there's even words to put into that, but the overall idea is what I'm referring to. Things happen when God could have definitely made it not happen. Okay. I would agree allow, with, maybe, agree not the that. right yeah. word, but well, anyway. I mean, I, I've always thought of suffering because freedom of choice is always going to bring suffering somewhere it's a zero-sum situation in a mortal life but yeah i kind of see what you're saying is he could have intervened and, and stopped things from happening but his glory doesn't if he comes in and there's a so i feel like and and i might be wrong and i i what do i know i'm just a human but i feel like there's opportunity times where god will get more glory if he waits to move okay I'm, I'm why did it take 40 years for them to get out of I, I truly the believe wilderness. in disobedience. I truly I think believe so. there was a great deal of dis disobedience. I think the next generation of the Israelites appreciated the fact that they were getting into the promised land. Amen. Yeah, it's and true. they would praise God for it. The other ones would complain and it say It was like a healthy enough. blend of freedom of choice with Him allowing, I guess. So I would almost say it's less morbid to think of it this way. God allows us to make choices, and He intervenes, and His glory always... He wins in the end. He always wins. I mean, his we will. win in the end. Yeah, we do. Amen. That's good. That's good word right there. We yeah. don't lose. See, that's why you're Paul and I'm Barnabas. Hey, okay. come on. Um, so, why'd you like this topic so much? Okay, I want to bring awareness, and I want to do so in telling a few stories. Okay, cool. So, when I was in this country, in the eastern part of the world, can't share exactly where, uh, I met some people who were meeting in an underground church. And the stories that they would tell would blow your mind. Because here in America, we have freedom. We could go to 74 churches. So grateful. I mean, we're On in the, the way, belt. between my church and here, I could hit 45 churches. Yeah. Easy. And you could have 17 different denominations. And I could start one. Yeah. yeah. And in, in that one, I could have, uh, you know, whatever thing going on. Because we're in America. Yeah. Because we can. We can. Praise God. Mm -hmm. But these people, they didn't have that choice. And so I want to share a couple stories. I want to share two stories about um, some people I met. The first man, his story was very different than any story or testimony I've ever heard in my life. This man was not allowed to own a car. 
he wasn't allowed was to get that on government the government law or parent or his uh his i guess his uh, maybe felony misdemeanor whatever he oh committed. he had gotten in trouble oh okay yeah gotcha. the okay. government caught him for whatever reason he got in trouble sharing the gospel oh it was persecution literally for yes Christ. So they locked him up for preaching the gospel. They didn't allow him to own a car. He wasn't allowed to fly on a plane. He couldn't get on a bus. Okay, that's a little crazy. In fact, you but they get make on him a, bus. a terrorist. He, he became a terrorist, probably. Uh, he was on full watch everywhere yeah. he went. And I'm sure they have all of his cell phones tapped. And Who knows? It is, it's, it's a dark place, that country. So... He was telling us a story, and the the man looked like he had been in some really like rough altercations. He he had an appearance like he's been he's been beaten a few times, and he told us a story about his church and how there was refugees from another country. And they came to his country uh, at the time when it was allowed. And he started sharing the gospel with them, and the government started cracking down on religion. Okay. And they started, you know, looking into it, and he got locked up. He got out of jail, started doing it again, and slowly and slowly, the more that he was in jail, the bigger his church was growing. But the crazy thing is, they didn't have a building, they didn't have a website, they didn't have any internet any access to know where church was going, they would simply wake up on their day of worship, probably Sunday, and they would all pray. And the Spirit would tell them where to go. That's fascinating. And they would all meet in this one place. That's that's amazing. Isn't that not incredible? That's incredible. We we wake up and we could Google 42 churches Absolutely. right here. They had to pray in faith to be able to know where to meet. That's, that's amazing. And then on top of that... They had to worship God in places where other people were going to hear them, knowing that if anyone heard it, they would have to turn it. It could be arrested or yeah. just cracked down like a illegal poker game or something. But it was. And I'm sure they had situations like that, and there was times where you weren't allowed to have the holy scriptures, the the holy Bible, and yeah, your, I've your heard home. about that. I heard. And about they would hide like them in their houses. You and, could be arrested flying into some of these places with a page or or anything, and it was a total. Mm-hmm. Felony, if any, you know, equal to Americans' laws. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. So, just hearing his story, I was like, man, like this guy's really living like absurd. Like he had a bicycle, and he was traveling around a large city with just a simple bicycle. So I could imagine where he was living, what he looked like. Uh, you know, when it, when it's time to go to bed, it's just like I have no idea. The, the second person I want to tell the story with is a little bit more interesting. So this man, and, and I may have shared this with you before, I don't know, but um, for our audience to hear, this man grew up in a very rural area, like farm town, and he, he wasn't a believer. His family wasn't a believer except his grandmother. His grandmother was the only one that had um, faith in, in Jesus Christ for, for salvation, and the family had a couple uncles in there and that family that would persecute Christians. And what they would do is they would tie them to a tree and they would whip them and beat them and punch them. And then they would call the cops. Okay. And while the cops are on their way, 
and I think this would have to be the worst part, is they would hold the Bible in front of their face and then light it on fire. This is all because of what? Uh, freedom from sin? This is because of forgiveness of sins? Why do, why do these governments hate the gospel so much? Because the gospel will bring freedom. You know, some people argue that the gospel was meant to control. People have used it to control others. But if you read the Bible from back to front, Genesis to Revelation, you will find that this worldview, if you adapt and, and agree with this and you follow it, you will walk towards freedom. Every, Even if you're being persecuted, every, whipped, Every arrested. single bit of freedom that you and I both cherish comes from a biblical worldview. Come on, I know that's true. I can tell you the way that our United States government is set up comes out of the book of Isaiah. Um, you've, you've been talking about this since I met you. Yeah, we have three branches of government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. There's a verse in Isaiah, and I can't remember exactly what it is. It says, the Lord is our lawgiver, our judge, and our king. And it was from that verse, the three branches of government were formed. Makes sense, yeah. And, and there's a lot of philosophy behind that, and a lot of people want to deny it. But getting back to the story, this man grew up in the rural area of his country, and uh, grew up in a very poor place in his country with not a lot of money, not a lot of economic opportunity. And I remember meeting with him and his his body was like different colors. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like there was dark brown, there was white, there was yellowish pigments on his body everywhere. Like not on his face, his arms, his, these like, his whole bruises, body. These were bruises, these were So I'm gonna tell you when he when he told me the story I'm looking at him like, oh my gosh, this is I can see this is real. Like, you're not going to lie to me when you're saying this. His grandfather was holding him in the village, and they had an, a bonfire basically outside in the wintertime. And his grandfather had fallen asleep, and he dropped him into the fire. Oh, okay. And you could tell when he's telling you, you could see how his skin was affected by that accident. You could yeah. tell. You could just look at him. Yeah. And so his grandfather woke up because he smelled and heard him in the fire, like screaming, and, he, and you could smell the, the flesh on his body burning. And his grandfather took him to his parents, and they rushed into the hospital, and they, the doctors looked at him and said, you need to let this one die. Like, he's, he's beyond saving. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, have another child. Basically, like, he's only a few months old, maybe like 10 months, I don't remember. And and the the family was, uh, they were going to do it. They were just going to let him die. Because it's customary. I mean, it's just a... It was uh, just kind of their worldview. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, if, 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 they're this, not, if, they're, if someone tells this, you... Yeah. Which was a worldview of another great power with um, when you go all the way back to World War II and that situation. It started with deformities. Mm -hmm. That's how this whole thing mm -hmm. transferred to just, you know... Races we don't like are deformities. But. Yeah, yeah. So the family said, yeah. Well, the grandmother was there, and she said, no, we are not doing that. She protested. I'm taking this child with me back home. And so they, I guess they cleaned him up the best they could. You know, I don't There's I always don't know a woman. There's always going to be a woman that comes in and... Praise God. Praise God. All right. <laughs> this lady literally took this baby to her underground church. And for three days prayed over this child because on the way back to the village, the baby passed away. Mm. 
in the underground church on the third day of praying and fasting, she said, God, I want you to raise him back to life. And he came back to life. That's amazing. It, absolutely amazing. It's amazing. So I heard uh, recently a story about uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Pharisees believing that dead could be raised, but the Sadducees did not. Yeah, they so didn't they believe. Would, you could, like Paul got them to quarrel about this topic just to get them off of you know, whatever other thing they were obsessing about at the time. Yeah, some people don't believe in resurrection, some do. Some people emphatically believe about it. That's crazy, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I, I believe in it. I believe, yeah. Words I, I believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. I believe that little boy, that man I was speaking to through the translator, was raised back to life. You know, I don't have to meet him and see his deformed body to believe you Yeah. in this story. I, I believe as well. Yeah. Well, the, it gets better. So it, it doesn't end there. So his grandmother, when he got old enough to be able to speak, told him about this and said, you were brought back to life. His family told him, you never died. We just thought you were dead, but you would never die. Because some believe in the resurrection and some don't. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. So Age old. It's probably a spirit behind it that tries yeah. to bring it around everywhere. Anyway, so he said, you know, you're lying. You're not telling the truth. And she said, I promise you, you were. And God brought you back to life. I was there in the underground church. And um, she said, you need to be a preacher. You need to believe in God. You need Amen. to you need yeah. to be a vessel because he's done a great thing. You know how many times I've asked, how do you know what your calling is? And it's because somebody, an old timer, had a vision and, and spoke into the person's life. That's how you, my calling started. You often think the person's going to tell you God told them. But it's it's more likely an older generation said this is, you know, prophesied into their life. This is what's going to happen. And with prayer and fasting, you should pray about that if that is something God's speaking to you. But that's how I did it. Anyway, this gentleman did not do that. He said, no, you're lying. He was out in the wilderness, you know, like in the mountains area, whatever, where there's a river and there's wildlife and they're hunting and fishing. And he was with his uncle who was doing all the persecution. And his uncle, what he was famous for was he would tie people up to a pickup truck with a rope. Okay. And take off down the street until all your skin was road raged. He was doing that on to... All the Christians that he oh. found. Oh, okay. So he would drag him down the street, and he was really like a persecuting, you know, guy. Yeah. And he said he was fishing with his uncle, and he he said his uncle went around back to the woods just for something, and he was about to come back, and uh, he accidentally fell off like the bank of the river. Okay. But he didn't know how to swim, and he started to drown, and he came back up, and he's. He said, there was only one thing I could think in that moment. And how old was he at this one? I think he was like 12. Okay. 12, 15, okay. somewhere around there, if I remember correctly. It's been a few years. Yeah. Um, but he said, there was only one thing I could think of. He said, it. He, said he, he cried out loud and he yelled it. He said, the God of my grandmother, if you're real, save me. <laughs> Amen. And he blacked out. He woke up to his uncle slapping him on the face saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. Sure. And his uncle, he said, what happened? What happened? I just remember I was in the water. And he said, the uncle looked at him and said, well, I heard you splash into the water. And I came back through and I saw your, you know, your equipment on the bank. And I looked down and I couldn't see you. And then I saw your head pop up. Um, and I ran towards the bank to try and help you. And I heard you cry. And you said, the God of my grandmother, if you're real, save me. And he said, I'm not joking. I saw a beam of light come down out of the sky in the shape of a hand and pick you up 
pull you across the water and put you back on the bank. Wow. That's great. That's a great story. And that day, they both became believers. That's, that's, that's what this is about. This is what we are about. simply uh, vessels. We are witnesses of what God does. That's all. Testify. That's it. Testify. Just tell your story. Testify. That's it. That's cool. It gets better. <laughs> Come on. Dude, I'm... How do you get better than that? I'll tell you. Baby raised from dead. Then we're going to go back God's to... God's hand comes out of the sky, picks up the baby out of the water. Dad, who likes to kill drag Christians, also gets saved. His uncle. You yeah. got better. How, how you got better? He became a preacher. <laughs> I mean, after that, I mean, who could deny wanting to preach after that? Yeah. He became a preacher. The Lord put a calling on him to minister to refugees. He also was persecuted and put in jail because he reached out to these refugees that were coming to his country. And while in jail, he had eight hours of manual labor in the desert. I don't remember exactly what their project was. He said he had eight hours of manual labor in the desert. They would come in, they would eat, and they would get showers, and they would go to bed to wake up for the next day. And he said, um, after we would shower... My, his, he said, my room, my cellmates, they knew I was a believer. And they had uh, some kind of belt, and they made it into a whip. And he said, three of them would hold me down on the floor while the other one whipped me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He said, they would whip me until I would bleed. And then they would pull the shirt off my back and would rip the skin off my flesh. So they beat the shirt into his skin. They would beat him so much, and I I don't know what they had on the whip, but it was was being flogged. Sure. He's being flogged. And they would do it so many times, and I don't know if it took days until they pulled the shirt off. I don't remember. heel maybe into it. You know, the translator was, it was hard to understand every every little small detail. But he said they would beat him, and when it got ready, they would rip the shirt off his back so it would just be bare flesh. He said, for three years this happened to me, every day of my life, for three years. He said, I prayed every day that God would show himself to my cellmates. And he said, there's one day, they were whipping me and whipping me, and I was crying, and I said, stop. And he said, they went to go rip the shirt off my back. And he said, all of my cellmates jumped up and started screaming. And he said, I didn't know what was going on, so I tried to put my shirt back so I could get get up. Yeah. He said, I felt my back and there was no blood. He said, my back was smooth as a baby's bottom. He said, everyone in that cellmate got saved that day because he said, do not be uh, alarmed. I think that's what the translator said. Do not be alarmed. This is the God I believe in and he forgives you. Amazing. And surely enough, he served his sentence, got out. He's been leading underground churches ever since. That's awesome. That's why you wanted this to be your topic. That's why first, I want this to be a topic because God looks down on those people with great mercy. Absolutely. And the Word of God is coming alive faster and in greater measures than anywhere else in the world when it's in those local settings where they can't meet in public. So I also heard this, and it makes me think about what you're saying, is if any man... I heard someone say, if any man anywhere will repent, then don't worry. God will get the gospel to that man. I believe it. So don't worry about, you know, someone who never heard the gospel is going to go to hell. God will, God will get them there. I think it's our job to pray and ask God to send out the laborers 
and obey when he says go. Amen. These underground churches exist today and all of the and chaos I, and confusion. Yes, and I've been there. I've, I've helped with them. I've done work with them. If God opens the door, I'll go back. But the underground church has a role to play. But also refugees is on the heart of God. Yeah. Because those who have been displaced from their home now have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Yeah. And some of them aren't fleeing to open religion countries. Yeah. But I believe God has people, even in the darkest of places, who will get the gospel to other, will, yeah. other people who need it. What's crazy to me in being in America is when you hear the Beatitudes and you hear the Sermon of the Mount, and I always thought, you know, blessed am I because you talk bad about me because I believe in Christ. But this man was actually being beaten. Mm-hmm for it you know and I believe in the book of Revelation it says those who have been martyred for the faith and Just I'm not Eden, exactly sure what Peter, it says but it says know. they will be like close to Jesus those, like, I, be I close remember, to I, you may not remember this but back like 2008 2009 men on the beach had their heads cut off and women yeah I was a little young because they would that. not I mean they I put this I on YouTube this was, they showed the gruesomeness all on the video and all those people had to do to get out of it was denounce Jesus, that was it. Yeah. And they wouldn't do that, and they got their heads cut off. I'll tell you another story. Prime time. I think that happened in the Middle East. There's a story that comes out of the Middle East. I, uh, Through the organization I went and did a lot of my missions with, uh, there was a testimony that came from someone, I believe, in the Middle East. I don't remember exactly which country, so I'm not even going to try. But he's, he, he was a preacher, uh, or... I don't know if he was a pastor, maybe like a deacon, like he was like an elder in the church or something. Yeah. Underground church situation, and they they put, oh, I think it was Iraq. I think it was Iraq. I think okay. that's where it was at. And they put this man on a stake, and they threw like a gallon of gasoline on top of him and on his feet and around where he stood, where they like bound him onto the pole or whatever. And they took a match, and they lit a match, and they threw it on the gasoline didn't light on fire. They did another one. Threw it on the fire. Didn't do anything. Four times they threw a match on a gasoline, covered in, man covered in gasoline. Not one time did it catch fire. They took him off the stake and let him go. They said, we can't do anything to you. Your, your God is invincible. Hey, hey, that's great. Now, they, none of them got converted because they, they were very They're not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. But I will say this. There's more and more testimonies out of my friends who have served in the Middle East and who are actually now back in the Middle East, and they're in different countries. They're not in Iraq, but they're in different places. Um, And and I've seen this even on social media that there are so many people in the Middle East who are having dreams and visions of a man in white coming to them, and they're waking up wondering who this man is. And then they will somehow, God, I guess, leads them to a church and they say, the man in white is Jesus Christ. He's the king of glory. That's amazing. And they get saved. So this, this brings me to, I want to read this to you. I, I saw this the other day. It's fairly, uh, fairly new. Um, uh, so, as the new Taliban government tightens its grip on Afghanistan, people there plainly see the darkness of Islam and they are running toward the light of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, as Job says in the book of Job, he says, When a man is in a heap on the ground, he stretches out his hand to God. 
So it's in the midst of the desperation that souls are hungry, and so it's a moment of opportunity. Um, this is that this whole you know American president pulling out over there and leaving our weapons over there is turning out to show the glory of God, as you as you said at the beginning of this. It's something you know atrocious has happened, but it's turning out to be a huge revival situation. Yeah, and I think. Especially when you when you look at Afghanistan, there's so many factors that have been in play with that, right? There's a lot of allies have been over there. There's a lot of people who who have freedom to go over there, and there was a window of opportunity to get the gospel out. And I feel like right now there's a limited amount of access there. You can't get in there. It's 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 hard. So most of them who rejected the gospel are now staying there. Or they're fleeing just because they don't want to be under control of the Taliban. So now they're becoming refugees. I gotcha. That's why they're... And the refugees, oftentimes, when they're leaving a situation like that, they don't have an open open country to go to. It's a lot of times closed. And there's ones that, you know, you can get away with and you can make yourself to... Or you can find a place where you can get towards more freedom. But still, a lot of it's not... It's still not open to the faith of, you know, Christianity. And I think we need to be praying for those people. We need to be supporting them. And it's it's something that God cares about, and I think we should bring awareness to it. Because a lot of us in our mindset, we think, oh, you know, they're they're just they're just poor, they're just this, they're just that. Well no, these people are like they're humans. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're made in the image of God. And I think Amen. It's worth being able to get the gospel to them because this is the prime season for them, especially the ones who I have friends who are helping in the ministry and getting those people out of Afghanistan and getting them to a safe place. Getting the church out is important. It's a big thing. But yeah. some of them are staying behind and the other refugees, they need the gospel too. So there's definitely ways I think we can we can help with that. Yeah, so th- this is a topic that you're close to. You're close to other things like um, getting the Bible into every, you want it translated into every language. And um, yes. so I, I want to ask, like, you know, what could I do? I, I go to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Um, I've got, you know, a, a woman I care about. I've got children I care about. What could someone like me, the average American who is, I want to be a part of a discipleship group and I want to be part of the kingdom of heaven, but I'm not going to go to Syria and risk my life to try to yeah. figure this out, or, or go to, you know, the the country you can't say if you're a basketball player. I'm not going to go to these places and try to, uh, you know, risk my life and, and go to prison. What what could I do okay. to, to participate? I'll share one to. little testimony of the power of prayer. That's the first thing. Any believer has the ability to pray, and heaven will move upon the prayers of his people. There was a man, his name was Dan, and I'm not going to share his last name because it's not important, but Dan was a missionary in a closed country. No religion allowed at all. He was uh, leading an underground church, and uh, there was somebody there who decided Dan wasn't fit to live anymore. Okay, It was about 2.30 in the afternoon, where he was and wherever his intercessory friend was is he had a prayer team that would pray for him on the weekly 
God woke this person up in the middle of the night, I don't know exactly what time, and said, I want you to pray for Dan. I want you to pray for him right now. And this lady woke up, and she started praying, God, whatever it is, save Dan. Help him. Minister to him. Get him out of there. Whatever trouble he's in, deliver him. She knew that he was in trouble. He was in the back seat of a car, and he uh, was basically taking a taxi. The taxi was driving around, and he felt the Holy Spirit say, Dan, stop the taxi and get in the front seat. He told the taxi driver, stop. He said, hold on, let me get in the front seat. I don't know why I just need to sit here in the front seat. About 30 seconds later, they're driving back on the road, and a bullet comes through the car. Wow. At the back right window, and what? It, and it landed in the cushion, or in the in the cushion of the car. Dan's heart would have been penetrated by the bullet. So prayer, you don't know what it does. You have yeah, no idea. Sure. The lady asked Dan, was he in some trouble when he got back to the mainland and said, hey, like, this night I was praying, it would have been this time of your day. He said, yes. There was somebody who tried to shoot us, and I would have been in the back seat, and I would have been dead. So praying is the most important thing yeah. anywhere yeah, I, you see opportunity, yeah. you should pray. The second thing is there is a way to give and help fund these people's travels to get out of persecution. There's ways to help refugees get food, shelter, clothing. There's people I work with, our church works with, certain people who have access and who are already supporting them on the ground. There's ministry hubs, there's refugee camps, there's a million different things, and we can be able to give towards that. So one of the things our audience can do is to go on AntiochSpeaks.com, okay. click the donate button, give whatever you feel led to give. It doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be little, yeah, whatever God is. Five bucks goes a long way, yeah. Five bucks can feed a family for a month. Amen. You know, you don't know how much, you know, your giving will make an impact, Um so that's that's the that's the easiest and the quickest way to give, and and to bless these people. But my end goal is not to just get them in and get them out and feed them and clothe them. I want the gospel in their hands in yeah, their own language. Yeah, I like it. And there's uh, a ministry that we could we could help shout out called In Bible Poverty Now. Okay. Uh, you can find their website. We'll they, put it up. We'll put it up on the site. We'll put a bunch of yeah yeah stuff yeah. up on the site. Yeah, we could we could definitely do that and get the word out, but. There's, I think, a little bit over a thousand languages left that have no scripture at all in their language. Now, there's a few hundred that have verbal audio, but no, you know, written. pen on the paper. It's no yeah. written. So it's hard to multiply. Yeah, you know, yeah. Eventually, to... you know, disciple mm-hmm. is because there's there's no translation there. So praying, giving, the second step would be translating. And the third yeah. is to raise up the laborers who will go out yeah. and reap the harvest. I love it. That's the biggest. That's, that's the, biggest the end move. goal. Yeah. I think that's the heart of God. Yeah. Threefold missionary plan: pray, give, translate, go disciple. I love it. It's good. It's a good word. It was a good topic. I knew nothing about it, but now I'm interested, and hopefully, anyone listening to this is interested in this entire topic because. There, this is a thing. I mean, there is refugees. There are people being persecuted physically, not verbally, you know, um, uh, in other countries that need help. And, uh, and and the glory of God shines through us when we unite. I, I think that the glory of God needs messengers. It needs human vessels. It needs a family. It needs togetherness. and mm-hmm. um, It needs community. Right now, it seems to be a, a, a big 
saying a popular thing is I just have the gospel by myself at home and I just don't I think you need community you need in Timothy it says the public reading of scripture mm. not the private I'm by myself reading scripture the public and then whatever you're learning you need to teach and whatever I'm learning I need to teach and we need to always be learning and always be teaching yeah whole gospel to the Amen. whole world we might be working on a little hoodie. Should we announce that? Yeah, I I want to do it. I, I think AntiochSpeaks.com, we will have some merch soon. And coming with that merch, we will have a, uh item that you can purchase where our funds will go back to refugees and the persecuted church. Yeah, that, we're definitely going to work that out. If you give to Antioch Speaks, if you give to a certain cause from one of these episodes or a podcast, you'll get a gift of some sort. Yeah. We're figuring that out. Details to come. Antioch Speaks. Okay, thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to check in, uh, we're going to keep new episodes coming every Tuesday and Thursday at AntiochSpeaks.com. Hit the donate button, hit the like, hit the subscribe. Do all the things I need you to do to get the algorithms. Share, tell your friends, phone it in.